1: Hello and welcome to another episode of Attacking Third, a CBS Sports Soccer Podcast. I'm Sandra Herrera, lead NWSL writer for CBS Sports. Joined today is always by my colleague and co-host Lisa Roman, NWSL analyst and broadcaster for CBS Sports. On today's episode, we are continuing our NWSL 2022 team-by-team previews. And today we are going to be dialing it up for Houston Dash. Before we get into everything, a quick reminder to follow us on Twitter for all breaking news at Attacking Third. And if you're listening to this as a podcast, please give us a five-star rating and review. It just takes a second, and it really helps us out. So hit five stars on Apple Podcasts rating review page or on Spotify on the Attacking Third page and give us five stars. Helps us out so much. We're just rolling them out, Lisa. Left and right, Houston Dash season preview. We're going to get into this. How are you doing today? I'm good. I love rolling
0: out these previews and we're getting down to the wire. We only have a few left to do uh, and roll out for everyone. Um, So I hope you guys have been liking them. If you do, I mean, drop us a note right on Twitter, Apple Podcasts, leave us a five-star review. Tell us what you like, which preview is your favorite, which team you're supporting in 2022 because 12 teams to choose from now. But um, Houston Dash, I'm excited to talk about this team because there's some there's some to- talking points, right? I mean, every team has them, but this this Houston Dash team is an interesting one to dive into. How are you today, Sandra?
1: I'm doing good. You know, I'm I'm excited to talk about Houston because it just reminds me of someplace warm, you know. And I know we've always like hit the icebreaker and we chat a little bit about the weather in our areas. And it's if it's not snow, it's rain. I know we're both going through that today in a little bit of gloom. Uh, but yeah, I'm. You know, this is a team that's. Uh, I think has some, like you said, some talking points that we're going to get into and just sort of maybe take deeper dives on some versus versus others, you know. But uh, this was a long time coming. I know people are out there looking like for their team specifically, you know, but I'm ready to go. I think, you know, I got my NASA hat on. You know, I I decided, hey, if we're going to do like a preview for a NASA related town, (laughs) I'm going to go ahead and, and have the hat and represent. Let's maybe just dive right in Houston Dash and see what they are going to be up to right during the 2022 season, starting with a quick overview, head coach. James Clarkson still at the helm for this team. This is the one team it almost feels like that Mm -hmm. uh, we didn't have to pay too close of attention in terms of pursuing a head coaching hire. They have James Clarkson in place already on contract, although they did bid farewell to Twyla Kilgore, formerly Kaufman, uh, took a position with the United States women's national team. So she has moved on to uh, the international level. So congrats to her. But Clarkson is actually... Uh, still the only head coach to hold a head coaching position after the 2021 season. has been involved with the club since 2018. <laughs> yeah, I've been, been with them since 2018. Going kind of on four-ish seasons, right, with the Dash here. Uh, but in, in light of a departure of someone like Twyla Kilgore in the coaching side of things, the Dash went ahead and made uh, an additional notable hire for the front office, introducing Jessica O'Neal as Houston Dash president. She's a sports marketing executive. Uh, It has background with Carolina Panthers and uh, Charlotte FC for the last nine years. And in terms of their finish in 2021, the dash ended in seventh place, missing out on the playoffs, which maybe gave way to our early power rankings. For those who don't know, in December of 2021, we did an attacking third way too early power rankings episode, and we actually gave them six back in December.
0: Yes. Yeah, so uh, we were pretty spot on at that point, just based on so. everything that we talked about. I mean, it it's an interesting kind of topic to talk about in, in terms of head coaching because every other preview we've done, it's a new head coach. It's a new <laughs> yeah. system. They have the team for a full year. And James Clarkson is still with Houston Dash um, and he's been there. He's gained some trust with the players. He's established a bit of a rhythm and a a foundation for how he wants to play in his team ahead of him. So there are a lot of good things already in place for this Houston dash team, but it, there were still so many changes in the offseason, season player personnel wise, um, getting a lot of different players, not a lot of huge, huge names signed to their list. I know a lot of other clubs with the expansion draft happening, adding San Diego wave FC and angel city FC teams were uh, grabbing for star players and really looking to solidify who was going to be the superstars of their team. Who's going to lock everything down. And with Houston, they weren't in the headlines. Uh, I'm going to say as, long as other teams were because a lot of their trades and their movement happened at the start of the off season. Um, and then things kind of slowed down and now they're just kind of solidifying. And maybe that has to do with having James Clarkson being the head coach going from one season into the next. So he had 2021 to kind of map out what he wanted to do, talk with other coaches and, and figure out those trades ahead of time. So during the off season, he wasn't scrambling to do a lot and more so sitting back watching all of the other teams scramble and go through that. But we'll dive into it because some big roster signings, also some losses for Houston. It changes the landscape of things despite having the same head coach. 2022 is going to look different for Houston.
1: Yeah, for sure. I mean, just like every all the other remaining clubs in, in the team, Houston Dash was a franchise that had to prepare, right, for a double expansion uh, ahead of the 2022 season. And maybe – within that the conversations that were taking place maybe sort of impacted how they were going to navigate that very busy week that included yes a very active trade window but to, uh, the expansion a double expansion draft and an NWSL uh, college draft uh, but let's take a look at maybe some of the the acquisitions right the 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 moves the, the, the contract extensions the, the player retention right we'll call it uh, for Houston dash in 2022 Probably the biggest, I think, for us, uh, Maria Sanchez from Tigris Femenil uh, signing a two-year deal with Houston Dash. Uh, they also uh, welcomed Kelsey Hedge from O.L. Rain, Julia Ashley from Racing Louisville, uh, goalkeeper Ella Diedrich from O.L. Rain. And there's some prospects in here with uh, Ryan Garris from South Carolina uh, through the NWSL draft. Uh, and they also introduced another international signing with Paulina Ramaglia. Uh, but, you know, extensions are real, real big for the offseason as well. And they had a big one with goalkeeper Jane Campbell who, when they went ahead and gave her a contract extension through 2024, so this was a team that maybe initially kind of looked like they were holding, you know, steady going into the, that busy week of a transfer window, double expansion drafts, and NWSL draft, but ultimately can look back on their offseason and say, Hey, these are the players that we uh, are bringing into the fold, the, the contract extensions, these are the moves that we made. When we're looking at all these, Lisa, which one is standing out to you the most?
0: Well, adding Maria Sanchez to this roster is a huge standout. Um, We had the pleasure of speaking with her after this; she signed this two-year deal with Houston. Um, Her excitement to join the NWSL and her passion for playing this game in America is overwhelming, and I think that her uh, energy, her vibe, her mindset—just, I mean, off the pitch—is going to be a huge, huge benefit for houston to have in the training room at the practice field just someone that wants to be there day in and day out and compete at this high at the highest level that she possibly can and she wants to make a difference so maria sanchez joining houston dash is a huge huge get i think she can provide so much to this team on the flank sending crosses in dribbling at defenders 1v1 she's very good at that and she brings her experience from playing in mexico and at international level to this Houston dash team, which does have a lot of international players onto it. So adding that into the mix, huge, huge, huge for Houston. When you look at the losses, a lot of losses that Houston faced, um, I almost would say Abby Dahlkamper in a sense was a big loss for Houston. However, she didn't play for very long with the dash. She was traded from North Carolina towards the end of the 2021 season uh, on like a, a mini loan to Houston dash just for a little bit before, I mean, Technically, her rights were tra- traded yeah. back to North Carolina, then to San Diego Wave FC. But during her short stint with Houston Dash, she made an impact on the pitch. Um, I think playing alongside Katie Naughton in the center back position and Camper and being able to have her vision on the ball as a center back, split lines, play those long through balls over top, finding her teammates, former teammates, then Rachel Daly, Christy Mewis, Shay Groom up top. It really worked well. However, biggest loss for me for Houston Dash is going to be midfielder Christy Mewis. She was a lot of movements as well with this player, traded to San Diego Wave FC, and then ultimately Gotham FC. So she'll be playing with Gotham in the 2022 season. But Mewis was a player for Houston that was uh, really held a lot of the midfield together and she could do a lot for this team. When the chips were down and James Clarkson and his squad needed to get some goals, needed to get back in a game, they relied on a player like Christy Mewis along with others. But Mewis being one of the veterans to be able to step up with this Houston team lead. She's so creative and crafty in the midfielder. And when we talked about Gotham, we highlighted her as such a big get for Gotham's, which just, equates to being such a huge loss for Houston. And and when I look at the roster signing between Maria Sanchez and all the other players and the loss of Christy Mewis, they don't even each other out just because Sanchez and Mewis are very different stylistic players. And I think the loss of Mewis um, and, and her tenure at Houston dash is a bit larger than the gain from Maria Sanchez uh, and that's kind of just looking at these lists. For you, is Christy Mewis, is there a big hole where she's leaving? Or or do all of these other names kind of filling in for Houston fill that hole?
1: You know, I think with some of the the acquisitions that, that they made, I mean, we're we're talking about a mid, the midfield specifically, right? And losing somebody like a Christy Mewis. Mm-hmm. And then that you you wonder, like, oh, this is going to leave a really, really big hole. But when we're looking at other players that they brought in, like Marissa Vigiano, right, to sort of also include as part of that player acquisitions during the offseason, to add to that sort of midfield depth, uh, having somebody like a Shea Groom, et cetera, I'm not too sure if that's going to you know, be as big as of a glaring hole that maybe folks might be, be thinking it is. I'm with you 100% in that it is a big loss and probably on paper the biggest loss for Houston Dash. I mean, gosh, I remember us covering this double expansion draft and then sort of seeing these protected player lists and having Christy Mewis be an unprotected player right on that expansion draft, there was absolutely already the chatter, like maybe this is a, a predetermined move. Right. And that ended up kind of playing out and coming to fruition. They left her unprotected San Diego selected her. There was an additional trade to Gotham FC, some allocation money moving in place. Right. So Houston ended up, you know, sort of, uh, kind of having these discussions sort of having this sort of predetermined move in, uh, in place. And uh, I'm with you with, with Mewis being, uh, the, the bigger of the losses For some of the departures that they had Don't know if I'm actually 100% in agreement with you About Zal Camper. I think maybe That was a, a short term loan like you said Maybe mm-hmm. an experiment a roll of the dice right For this franchise to try to maybe Make a push in that late half of the Season and I don't know if we could sit here and say That it actually panned out for them Considering they found themselves sitting outside Of, yeah. uh, of playoff contention But in terms of that defensive Line having somebody Like uh, you know a, a Megan Oyster also making her departure you know now megan montefusco going to orlando pride it's like a one-two punch combo right like you're losing a dog and brand yeah. you're using uh you know you're losing another uh center back so i think that's something that the houston dash are going to maybe try to keep an eye that's a lot of responsibility i think for somebody like a uh, katie naughton right to sort of take take a look at um why don't we take a look at this roster as a whole One of our favorite parts about doing these previews, right? We get to talk about the preseason roster at hand, which typically has a Ton of players. We've been seeing them from as, as large as, you know, 30 players, 35, but maybe not so much the case here for Houston. This is how they're rolling out with their preseason thus far. Uh, for goalkeepers, they've got Jane Campbell, Ella Diedrich, Lindsey Harris. For defenders, they've got eight with Julie Ashley, Alyssa Chapman, Carly Farkinson, uh, Kennedy Faulkner, Haley Hansen, Liana Hins, Katie Norton, and Anika Schmidt. For midfielders, they've got seven listed: at Joel Anderson, Hannah, uh, Hannah Diaz, Shay Groom, Mackay gomera Stevens, Kelsey Hedge, Emily Ogle, Sophie Schmidt, and Marissa Vigiano. And for forwards, they're running out with eight: with Michaela Abram, Michelle Alozi, Rachel Daly, Rachel Garris, Paulina Gramaglia, uh, Michelle Prince, Maria Sanchez, and Marie Visali. A little bit of a different th- a difference there, though. I think, Lisa. I think primarily. Uh, for Brevis Ali, used to be listed as a midfielder yeah. now being pushed on this forward line. When we're looking at all of these players throughout the position, when we're trying to think of an ideal starting 11, right. For, for this Houston dash side, is it easily accessible? We're like, look, we're going to point out 11 players. Boom. This is who's going to be here on opening day. Or is it more just like, here are a handful of players that we kind of see really lining up on opening day.
0: As any preseason roster that you look at, there are the f- handful of players that jump out that have been namesake starters that have established themselves with a team. And when I look at this Houston Dash roster, the biggest one for me uh, initially is Jane Campbell and Rachel Daly. Jane Campbell, goalkeeper. She's been with Houston. She's been in and out of the United States women's national team roster over the last few months and especially last year. Um, she's been a namestay there. And when she was gone, Lindsay Harris stepped in pretty seamlessly for Houston throughout that role. Um, And then uh, forward Rachel Daly, the English international is such a phenomenal player for this Houston Dash team. She can create magic where there are no sparks at all. Um, So those two definitely stand out. and, And because James Clarkson has been the head coach there and he remains the head coach, he knows these two players very, very well. And I believe that he is trying to build his team Around players like this, even when you look in the midfield, someone like a Sophie Schmidt, um, Shay Groom, he's he knows these players and what they can do on the field, what they can do together, and it's how he can complement those superstars by bringing in some new players, some different players uh, from Oal Rain that he's brought in. Uh, I think Katie Naughton in the back line defender, she's, she had a great season in 2021. I think she'll solidify her spot and stay in that center back position. I think it depends who's going to slot in next to her. Uh, Megan formerly Oyster used to slot into that role. Abby Dahlcamper was there for a bit. Um, we know Haley Hansen has done a number on the back line for Houston, but uh, I think that the back line is a little bit of question marks. When you look at the, this group of eight that is listed on the roster uh, besides Katie Naughton, it's kind of like, who can you build around her that will create? And it also depends on what Houston is trying to play. I mean, that's the biggest question for all of these clubs But we know James Clarkson. We know a kind of soccer that Houston likes to play. Um, They like to be patient with the ball, build it up, and then look to go quickly in transition. Are they going to stick with that, or are they going to change things up? Uh, But uh, some big names, Jane Campbell, Katie Naughton on the back line, I think Shea Groom uh, in the midfield, and forwards Rachel Daly, like I, I called out before. And I think Mara Sanchez, right? You wouldn't bring a player like that. Yeah in making a huge two-year signing right at the start of the offseason for a player like Maria Sanchez if you're not going to play her and look to utilize the skills that she is bringing to the game.
1: Yeah, I'm with you 100% on that. I think across this preseason roster, there's maybe anywhere from 6 to 8, right, players Mm -hmm. that you could say are possibly locks to see on opening day for an ideal starting 11, which – kind of means that there's room for opportunity here there's there's opportunity here for players to try to show what they've got for to their coaching staff to sort of make a case right for uh, snatching a kind of a starting 11 spot and i would like to to see it right maybe let's take a look at a potential who's our like I would be on our our, our top prospect list or our young prospect list to 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 maybe make a name for themselves and and wrangle away a starting 11 spot
0: For me, it's Makame Gomera-Stevens. She's a forward midfielder. She plays both. She played forward in college. Now she plays midfield for Houston Dash. She was with the club last year. Played a little bit, 13 games. She got four starts, but it was during that Olympic stretch is really when she got to see a lot more time on the field when a lot of the internationals were out. She's a a Hawaii native product out of Washington State that has a lot of good qualities uh, under herself. Um, She can really cross the ball in she can dribble with speed she can be creative she likes to go towards the flank but she can also cut inside and and we saw glimpses of what Makame gomera stevens could do in 2021 with this houston team and if she can play in the midfield alongside players like Shay groom sophie schmidt underneath players like rachel Daly up top even nichelle prince up top with so much speed I think that Makume Gomera-Stevens could have a breakout year this year. Um, She needs to lean into that, absorb everything like a sponge. She had a whole season with James Clarkson last year where she was with him every single day in training and could understand what he wants specifically from her. And now it's time to show the consistency that Gomera Stevens can do. She did it in college. She came to the professional level. Can she do it now? This could be a breakout year for Gomera Stevens. But there's still a lot of experience on this Houston Dash squad. And and Sandra, when you look at the list of names on the roster. Um, A lot of them have been with Houston over the last few years, but which experienced player needs to step up this year? Which one is the team going to rely on to help take them all the way in 2022?
1: Yeah, I'm with you on that. I love the way you phrased that too. I mean, we've been running into that a little bit with these previews. We've, we've done team previews for clubs where we talked a lot about their preseason roster as a whole and noticed that there's a lot of new faces in the mix and not just new faces, but younger players. You're talking out of draft players when we did it with with uh, with Orlando Pride already, with, with Racing Louisville, even, even throwing North Carolina in the mix a little bit with a ton of these newer and younger faces, but for Houston that's not necessarily a similar case, right? While there's new faces these, these, a lot of the acquisitions that they may tend to have a little bit more experience in the league, I think it's going to be beneficial But for someone who has already been with the club for a little bit of time now and I think is going to end up being that sort of essential experienced player that the club leans on, I got to look in the midfield and I got to look at Shea Groom. I think it's maybe you look at the sort of midfield core in place that they have and maybe it's easy to look at somebody like a a Sophie Smith, right, who's Mm -hmm. been an absolute linchpin for them in the midfield has had to clean up things, has had to spearhead things uh, for for the club in that middle third. But I'm absolutely looking at uh, Shea Grome to sort of take on uh, that little bit of, a, of a, you know, veteran role, more experienced player role in light of, of the new faces, maybe not the the young prospect faces, but the new faces that are coming in to this Houston Dash side, maybe looking to get established and sort of uh, figuring out what it means to be a member of the Houston Dash, what it means mm-hmm. to sort of be part of the the culture that had they have sort of built over the course of Clarkson's tenure with the team, and she's someone who has been relied upon at times to sort of be a little bit of a pest on the pitch. Wow. Right. For for Houston Dash. And you kind of have to have that person at times uh, during during the match. And she's someone that I could see absolutely sort of taking a game by the scruff of the neck and saying, hey, let's go. And I think there might be some moments during the 2022 season in an expanded year with two additional clubs where the competition's going to look and feel a little bit different. They're going to have to maybe rely on some experience. And I think they're going to maybe get that from Shea groom and this is also we're talking about this all you know in a a season which is probably going to see some of their other key players coming in and out of the nwsl season with world cup qualifiers that are taking place and we might see that come into play specifically in that middle third uh and when we're looking at players who are in our international spotlight we're looking at rachel daly maria sanchez Nichelle prince like any of, okay. so Any of these players we can choose. Any of these players yeah. we can look at and uh, and say, this is going to be a problem when they leave for Houston, right? That's exactly right. I mean, they're big players. They have
0: so many international players on this team last year during the 2020 Tokyo Olympics. Houston Dash lost the most number of players throughout that month, month and a half span for the Olympics, the most international players. Uh, Because of that, a a coach like James Clarkson needs to look at the future of his team. And that means getting these more uh, younger, inexperienced players minutes at the start of the season. That way, come international breaks, come World Cup qualifiers, come all of these international tournaments, if the NWSL isn't taking a break, he needs to be able to have these other players step in seamlessly to that fold and not let other teams and other opponents steamroll over the Houston Dash. It's almost like playing the long game in the NWSL. You have to rack up points at the beginning of the season when you can, when you have all of your strength, all of your heavy hitters in your international players before they leave in the middle part of the season so you don't lose points at that, point in the season and in the regular season standings for the NWSL. So huge, huge players that they'll be missing potentially in Rachel Daly, Maria Sanchez, Michelle Prince, like you mentioned, um, those are players that are going to need to kind of bring the younger ones, the the, the rookies of the team mm-hmm. under their wing and with them, not just speed ahead of them over the first two months of the season. It's, it's a big discretion between what they can do on the pitch and then also making sure the rest of the team is right there behind them so it's not a big drop off when you have to go to your reserves.
1: No, I'm, I'm with you on that 100. Uh, percent I hope we see it pan out and flesh out for for the club. It's 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 honestly like just even more of a reason I think why you know we're looking at experienced players, Selena, and that I'm gonna like stick with stick with a player uh, like Groom, maybe someone who can share. Hey, this is what it's like to to come to this team and grow with this team, right? Someone who hasn't maybe been there as long as uh, you know a Jane Campbell, but has also been someone who has been. Uh, you had an immediate impact for the team since since her uh, arrival. It's going to be interesting to see what the Dash look like should they find themselves missing some key players during the season uh, because they didn't necessarily last season in 2021 when they were in the mix of the playoff conversation and sort of seeing if they can build out success over the course of of a regular season. I think that's something that everybody was looking for from this Houston dash side, as they came off of an inaugural 2020 challenge cup title. And I think that that leads us to our burning question for Houston dash in the 2022 season. Can this franchise finally break through and make their first regular season NWSL playoff appearance? It's something that they're still looking for. That's so surprising to me, Uh, just looking at
0: this team uh, very close up in in really like the macro of it or the micro of it, excuse me, is that... They have the pieces to be a championship team. They have the pieces to be a playoff contender in the NWSL. Yet they haven't broken through that yet. They did win the 2020 Challenge Cup in the bubble. I think that was a they had a chip on their shoulder throughout that tournament. They had something to prove, but now can they actually break through to the regular season playoffs with the expanded playoff? Last year and now moving forward with six teams, they have a better shot, but also 12 teams now in the league. I think that this question is is going to be really hard for us to answer right now. And that's why it's our burning question because we need to see how this team is going to roll out. And everything that we've talked about, Sandra, throughout this episode, they're the biggest losses that they suffered, the biggest signings in, in Maria Sanchez, losing players like Christy Mewis, looking at their international players and who they could potentially lose during World Cup qualifiers they're young players that need to step up and make a difference. And then the experienced players that need to lead this team, it's if they can all come together and and all of this impacts their playoff contention towards the end of the 2022 season, but it starts from the challenge cup. I think once we see Houston dash hit the field, and compete against these other NWSL clubs in their region during the challenge cup, we will be able to get a sense of, yeah, this could be the year that Houston breaks through, or you know what? It's not, not this year. They need, Uh, another year. They need something else. And it's almost a team in Houston. That's not like, yeah, they have that magic piece. That's going to push them forward. They have, whether it is the the Gotham rebrand off the, the new expansion clubs in San Diego and angel city, or whether it's Portland or Washington, a team that has a lot of pedigree for winning things. Houston just doesn't have that. So it's going to take a lot more grit. It's going to be a lot more blue collar clawing and scratching wins throughout the season to get them into that playoff position. And that's why it's our burning, burning, burning question ahead of 2022.
1: Yeah. I like what they're bringing in this preseason. I like that. They kind of came in with maybe a a smaller roster versus a larger roster for preseason versus some other teams, right? It allows for, um, you know, forced interaction, right? You're going to get to know your teammates pretty quickly. The few, I guess the, the smaller, the, the preseason is, uh, in terms of the personnel involved, uh, I like that James Clarkson and this franchise have, uh, you know, uh, are recognizing the importance of getting uh, preseason scrimmages. In you know, this is the only club that's going to head out of the United States for a preseason match. They're going to be heading to Mexico City to take on Pumas Femenil, and uh, that's going to be taking place on March eighth, I believe. And uh, they're the only club that's going to do that, you know, compared to some other, some are, you know, traveling domestically within the United States, but they're leaving to go and have that experience and try to have, uh, you know, the the bonding that could come with having that type of event for themselves. So, I mean, I think there's a lot, like you said, Lisa, a lot of good pieces there. There's a lot of good intentions. There's a lot of talent across uh, each line when you're looking at it. I think it is a matter of how this team ends up navigating a regular season. Uh, it was something very special that we saw from them in 2020, but I think now entering 2022, there's a lot of questions about, you know, was that just sort of lightning in a bottle, right? That this team was able to sort of come together and band together and rally And go ahead and do something very special over the course of six weeks or so. But when you're navigating a long and lengthy regular season, it's a different beast. Uh, So we're going to have to see this team and how they compete over the course of a long year, uh, how they handle disruptions, you know, because we saw... What happened late midseason with the introduction of, of, of Abby Dalcomper it just wasn't something that panned out, didn't connect. Uh, you know, how do you uh, overcome things like that, you know, as as a team? So I'm looking to see this team finally make that breakthrough and hopefully get into the mix of a NWSL uh, playoff. And I guess that leads us to our potential projected finish for this team in, in 2022. We've been giving people, we've been giving uh, teams ranges. And I don't mm-hmm. think that that's going to end here with uh, with Houston Dash. What are you thinking, Lisa?
0: It, it doesn't end here. I mean, our burning question is, can they break through to a playoff spot? That is one, two, three, four, five, or six. Right now, I'm putting them on the bubble of that playoff contention because I just don't know if Houston has it in them to make playoffs. So I'll give them a six, seven, eight range, but I'm leaning more towards a seven. I, I don't know. And then maybe if they sit on that seventh range mm-hmm. and during the last two, three weeks of the playoffs or of the regular season, other teams can help bump them into playoffs. But I'm going to put them in the six to eight range right now.
1: Yeah, I'm with you. I think that's a safe spot to have them. I think when I'm looking at where they had their finish last season, how they finished last season, uh, not being able to sort of just affirmatively and with confidence punch their ticket to the postseason, and then looking at their off season, combining those two things with how they had their finish and how they ch- uh, navigated their off season. I'm not too sure if they, uh, you know, address the, the needs of this team needed, We both agree that Maria Sanchez is huge. She was a bright spot in that small three-week loan that she had with the team. Maybe with the opportunity to have a player like this from beginning to end will perhaps be the key for Houston Dash to finally break through to that postseason. But I'm with you. I think ambition is one of those low, maybe a number six, first playoff ever appearance for Houston Dash But, you know, they could potentially fall as low as as seven and or eight in a 12 team league this year. We'll see. You know, we love to come back and be proven wrong (laughs) and we would love to talk about it.
0: I think it starts with them going to Mexico for a preseason game, right? I mean, that's that's putting a good taste in my mouth for this club. It shows that they're looking to prepare for preseason matches to prepare for the preseason tournament that is the challenge cup. So I mean they're off to a good start, but we'll see. I love when teams prove us wrong, Sandra. We'll see how it how it all unfolds soon too.
1: Challenge Cup is starting before we know it. Yep. Listen, the more we have to come back here and talk about I like, I like it. You like it. I love it. It's all, it's all good. Thank you everybody for joining us on this preview. We appreciate you so much for listening to the Houston 2022 preview. We've got full team by team previews for all 12 clubs in the NWSL coming up. You can drop us your thoughts about the dash on Twitter at Attacking Third or in the comments if you subscribe to our YouTube channel at YouTube.com slash Attacking Third. Don't go anywhere. We have an exclusive interview with Houston midfielder Shea Groom right after this quick break. Hello and welcome back to Attacking Third, is CBS Sports Soccer podcast. I'm Sandra Herrera, CBS Sports lead NWSL writer joined today as always by my colleague and co-host Lisa Roman. We're so pleased to have player interviews with our team-by-team previews. And we are doing our Houston Dash preview, and we have a special interview segment with Houston Dash midfielder Shay Groom, first time on the show. Welcome to Attack and Third Shay. Thanks, y'all. Happy to be here. We're hyped to have you. Uh, you know, let's let's chat a little bit about off season. That's how we like to open some of these interviews. Did you get up to any non soccer related things that you were able to participate in? How's How's the dog? How's Bullet? Were you all oh, yeah. able to spend some more time with each other? How was off season for you?
2: Yeah, Bullet uh, made his uh, way around the country with me. Um, we had a bunch of weddings. Uh, next off season might be even crazier. I guess there's. Five dash weekend or five dash weddings, five weekends in a row. So, your <laughs> girl is saving up. Um, all right, getting crazy here. People, yeah, we need to slow it down. Um, so we went to a couple weddings and it took a few trips and then, um, you know, came down with Omicron right before Christmas. So As did the rest of the world. Um, So that canceled my Mexico vacation, unfortunately. But yeah, got to spend a lot of time in Houston and feel much more like a local now. People are like asking me for lists of coffee places and restaurants to go. And so I truly feel like um, a Houstonian. So um, it's been good though. Um, And I'm excited and I love Houston. I actually, like when I say I'm a local, like I could see myself staying here forever.
0: So Shay, you traveled around a lot. And I know you said you were going to a lot of weddings and you have a lot more coming up, very exciting stuff. But now that you consider yourself a Houston local for someone like myself from Philadelphia, would you suggest Houston as a place to visit?
2: I would. And it's funny. So when I say like, I'm a Houstonian, I cried at the thought of like living here years ago. <laughs> like I was like last person on, or last place on earth I'd ever live is Houston And here I am like living in Houston. Um, But the food scene here, I think, is just incredible and so underrated. Um, Obviously, I've been to like L.A. and New York and those places obviously are incredible for food. But Houston, like so underrated for food. Um, And there's just so much to do. I found like some Instagram accounts and some like bloggers and. They dug up some really great hidden gems for me. So I would definitely say it's a a good place to visit, but you got to do your research. Otherwise, you're just kind of confused and you don't know where the city is and it's just too big. And so...
0: Yeah, I would definitely say to come visit though. Okay, well, when I come visit, I'm just going to ask you for all of the food recommendations. How's that sound?
2: I've got a Google Doc. I've shared it <laughs> with all the new people on our team, just getting them excited about being here. So I will send it on over.
0: It sounds good. Talking about the team, I'm sure you're sharing it. I mean, early weeks of preseason, it's starting for you and for Houston Dash. So how have the first few weeks been with the, the gang back together?
2: It's been good. You know, obviously we had a bit of a bitter taste in our mouth um, at the end of last season and, you know, coming up short um, in a season that, you know, definitely should have ended at least in a playoff run. So it's been good to get back and kind of finally be able to turn the page and, you know, get a lot of new faces. in. I'm really excited about this group. I think uh, there's a lot of, great players on this team obviously talent wise but even more character wise james and the staff has done such a great job of bringing in people that i think mesh so well um just in a character standpoint and are willing to come in work hard and really not take anything for granted so it's been fun you know we've we just got back from college station we're about to go to Mexico and play Pumas there. So it's an exciting preseason and, um, yeah, it's been fun to, you know, watch the league grow. I've, you know, been in for a few years now, so, uh, it's nice to not just have to play, you know, college teams or each other, you know, now we're taking international and getting to play a, a good side. So it's exciting and, um, yeah, it'll be really fun.
1: Now it's like a a few weeks uh, under your belt for for preseason. It's always hard to tell with those first early days. But after a couple of weeks kind of going, maybe you start to sort of feel really into the rhythm of things, really into the tempo of things with with so many clubs, uh, every club really in the offseason going through some type of level of personnel changes, right? What is that like going into that, into a preseason, knowing that you're going to walk into a brand new year with, with new, with new faces? What's it like adjusting to that for yourself? And what's maybe some of your advice now that you feel kind of like a real Houstonian, a real official member of Houston dash uh, heading into 2022.
2: Yeah. Like you said, I think there's personnel changes on some, sort of level at every single club, especially this year. I think in the league, it's like no one knows who is on any of the teams because there's been so many, so much movement. So, um, you know, I've had my fair share of it. And I think this year what has been special is being a veteran player. You know, this is my third year here now, eighth year in the league. Um, you know, I know what it's like to be in the shoes of the players that – are new to the team this year, whether it's new to the league or just new to the team, and so you know, being able to kind of walk through that with them, and I think one of the the biggest pieces is just making them feel welcome. And you know, as silly as it sounds, just having a little Google Doc to know where they should go get their coffee or some different places to try, because when you move to a new city, it can be scary, and you know, sometimes a little depressing just staying in your apartment and recovering from training and not really getting out and and exploring much. So. Um, you know, that's been definitely a, a big key. And then on the field, obviously, you know, we have had a lot of changes on our team, but we still have a core group from that 2020 season where we were extremely successful. And, you know, building off that, I feel like we have a lot of chemistry now. And, um, you know, this being our third year together you know, with players like Jane Campbell, Rachel Daly, Katie Notton, Sophie Schmidt, um, you know, we're really establishing some of that chemistry and we know how each other wants to play now. So then just bringing new faces into that and creating a culture that we're going to be proud of and that it's going to win us games.
0: It's not just the core players. Like, like you mentioned, Jane Campbell, Katie nine. So if you yourself, Rachel Daly. it, that's not the only constant. I mean, you are the only team in the NWSL that has a head coach that has not changed from the start of the 2021 season. I mean, James Clarkson, still head coach. So when you start this 2022 preseason um, with James, I mean, what's kind of the vibe from him? I mean, how how is he kind of approaching this 2022 year?
2: Yeah, I think that's such a, a huge thing. It's no secret that teams that come into the league, you know, struggle a little bit because, you know, they have to learn what their coach wants, what kind of playing style, what the personnel, you know, how that is going to dictate your playing style as well. So I think just the consistency and, you know, some of us having been with James, I mean, I've been with him for three years. I think he's been here for four now, you know what to expect, you know, you know what he wants, um, from, uh, a demand standpoint and a work rate standpoint. And now it's, you know, more or less just being able to communicate that to the team as well. You know, I, I never have envied uh, any of our head coaches and the job that they take on in this league, cause it is a big one. Um, but being able to have players that understand what, what the demand is and holding that standard uh, makes it so much easier. So, It's been a lot more of a smoother transition. Like I said, obviously, there's personnel changes every single year. But when you have a coach and you know what the playing style is um, and he's been here for as long as he has, it's a lot smoother of a transition. And, you know, we're not playing as much catch up.
1: You know, I want to follow up on something you mentioned with the with the 2020 Challenge Cup. You talked about it a little bit as a club there was a, a level of success, right? That uh, the club kind of came together in that really short span of time to just sort of push through and, and raise this inaugural cup for for the first time. And uh, then kind of rolling into this regular season, right? You guys just following short towards the end of the 2021 season. What What is, uh, you know, how is the transition from maybe capitalizing on the success, right, of that short 2020 window in the Challenge Cup to translate into this season to sort of see a similar level of success for you all?
2: Yeah, I think for us, it was a lot of reflecting. I mean, I think our first day in the 2022 season, it was like James sat us down and was like, look, it just wasn't good enough. And I think we can all agree that and we've all had enough time to reflect and let's just not let it happen again. And um, I think there were a lot of themes and um, to reflect how the season went. Um, you know, giving up late goals, um, and so on, uh, you know, where those goals were given up, what time they were given up. Um, and so I think we've learned a lot from that and, um, you know, just having that ruthless mentality in 2020, I think, you know, we had decided early on in the season, we had no idea what the season was going to look like. There was going to be any sort of tournament and we just decided, Hey, we're going to train every single day as hard as we can. And when we get the opportunity to step on the field to play any sort of competition, we're, we're going to win. And obviously no one expected that to uh, for from us. It was like a 200 to one odds. So um, just having that inner belief, I think set us up to know that, you know, this club is good enough and we have the talent and organization to be able to do so. And, you know, last year we came up short, but again, I think that makes us stronger and really highlighted, what is going to make this a really successful team.
0: So interesting what you said that I'm not sure our listeners fully understand that when, when a team gets together and they're in preseason and they're in training, it's not just looking at the last year and looking at the the schedule and maybe the, the standings and your overall record and saying, okay, let's train a little harder, let's run a little faster, let's connect our passes, let's defend a little smarter. It comes down to the tiny details and looking at when a goal is conceded and the time of it. It's it's so much off the pitch and and it's not just team as a group goals that come together, but it's also personal and individual goals. And and for you, Shay, when you look at your personal success with Houston Dash and heading into the 2022 season, what are you personally, uh, what goals are you setting for yourself and what are you hoping to achieve as an individual?
2: Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, being on any team for multiple years, um, you, yeah, again, you take on that kind of leadership role. So for me, it's, you know, being more vocal. Our uh, midfield will obviously look a little bit different this year, not um, having Christy anymore. And so just being that voice in the midfield and and being another uh, scoring threat. You know, Rachel is obviously somebody that has produced for this team time and time again. And so, you know, giving her a little help in, in that sense and, and just being confident. I think when I'm confident, then uh, things go well and, um, and the team does well. So uh, for me, it's just stepping up, being consistent every single game and, you know, taking on some of that responsibility.
1: You've been in the, the league for, for quite some, some time. Uh, one of the more experienced players uh, out there, not just on the dash, so I wanted to get your perspective uh on the 2022 season that we're jumping into right now. It's there was a double expansion, right, uh, ahead of uh ahead of this season and, and the league is going from from 10 clubs uh to, to 12 clubs. You know, what's from your perspective, what's the the buzz around that? What is what is going from a 10 team league to a 12 team league mean to you in terms of of a player and uh, the level of competition that you expect to see out on the pitch in the league?
2: Yeah, I mean, I think it's incredible. It means that it's growing and that these other people are interested, you know, people are interested in owning teams. People are interested in bringing teams to these different markets that, you know, really believe that it could be successful, successful for women's soccer. And so it's really exciting. Um, And I think that, you know, moving forward, um, it's only going to continue to grow. And, you know, more girls are going to grow up dreaming to play um, professional soccer. And, you know, I can't say that I grew up thinking that because it wasn't accessible, um, and wasn't, there wasn't as much exposure as there is now. So it's, it's a really exciting time. And, um, I think, you know, making the jump, jump to 12 teams is, is a big one. And, you know, it's, it was a crazy off season with so much movement. Obviously you can only protect nine players from the team. So the rosters look very, very different, but, um, two great markets and I think what's big for our league being able to have more teams on the west coast now some you know the travel for those west coast Mm -hmm. teams isn't as brutal and um you know we're a little bit more dispersed throughout the country not as many east coast teams so it's it's a big deal and I think it's just the start of where this league is going to be in a few years.
0: It's not just the expansion clubs and growing the league, but there have been other changes that are advancing this league right before the start of the 2022 preseason. The NWSL Players Association and the league ratified its very first CBA, something that Sandra and I have been celebrating here at Attacking Third. We've been asking our players that we interview about it because it is such a huge deal. So for you, Shea, as someone who is a veteran in this league and and has experienced a lot when this was all coming out out about the CBA what were your initial reactions of it
2: I actually had the honor of being a part of the players association um throughout it in the collective bargaining agreement committee so um I had a bit of a front row seat and you know I definitely don't even think I was a part of it as as much as some of the other players in in the league I think it was something over like 300 hours that um, went towards it in phone calls, zoom meetings. So there was just so much work, uh, behind it, but I think, you know, it's so reflective of what this league is. Um, it's a group of resilient women who are pushing forward to make this league better. And I think you see that with, within the CBA and, you know, Megan Burke is an incredible, uh, human being. And, you know, we thank her every day because she, and I told her this personally, it's, you know, you, I've been on part of so many teams and you hear, you know, ownership coming in presidents coming in telling you how much they want to make the club better and like make all these promises. And then you never see, you know, anything come from it, but she saw it in us and she backed her words every single day. And, you know, at the end of it, it was such a fun and happy celebration. I remember sitting on that zoom call and like being in tears and just like sitting there with people and just like, you know, saying, heck yeah, like we, we did it. Like, I can't believe we freaking did it. And to get some of the big wins that we got within the CBA was absolutely incredible. And, you know, we needed that starting point so that later we can continue to grow and make this league better and to finally enforce some standards.
1: You know, uh, some of the players that we've had on now, including yourself talking about being, directly a part of that bargaining committee. Right. Really, the one sort of getting in and out of those meetings, getting the intel and information first and then sort of having to disperse that and kind of take on those extra responsibilities was was a lot. And we heard a lot about the joy of sort of having this come to pass, uh, having somebody like Merritt Matthias on with us, speaking a lot about that as well. Uh, and for for someone like her, for someone like you players, like she's been here since the, the beginning you've been here at yes. 2015. Right. So it's like, it's players who have had longevity in this league. Something that really struck us when we were taking a look at all of these bullet points that were coming out of the CBA was how there were a lot of things within it that you could tell were, directly tied to like player experiences in this league. Was there anything in particular within all of these, these sort of wins or bullet points that maybe resonated with you on a personal level more than maybe some others?
2: Yeah. I mean, like you said, it was just, some of it was just so detail oriented that you, I'm not sure you'd see it in other CBAs, other leagues. Um, But gosh, I mean, obviously free agency being somebody that's been traded so many so many times, um, you know, just having a little bit more ownership over yourself yeah. <laughs> and your likeness. Um, yep. I think we don't realize like how, um, valuable just like our name is. So some of the group licensing stuff was really important as well. And, um, you know, even like trade being treated, like I've had to cover so many expenses being treated and it's like, I didn't choose this. I didn't ask for this. You guys just called me up and told me that you know, I was moving across the country. So even some of those stipends and, um, you know, little things to just supplement, you know, what we don't make on a salary level was really, really important. And then, you know, obviously, you know, for me, I've had to wait a really long time, you know, I I negotiate a contract and then the minimum goes up. So (laughs) thankfully I'm in a place now where it's like, I've uh, negotiated pretty hard on my last contract, but um, just having that entry level for players where it's not like embarrassing, you know, they don't have to have another job. Yeah. Like, um, I really feel like we're at that starting foundation for salaries and it's an exciting time because, you know, I started in the league and it was $6,000. If you know, you were on the minimum. So that's not a full-time job. That's not a professional athlete. So, um, I think we're getting, we're getting close and this is just such a great foundation for that.
1: Love to hear. We, Loving covering it all this time. Um, This has been a delightful conversation. We like to close these out with a little bit of a fun, maybe like a lighter-hearted question, and we've actually this actually works out perfectly for your particular interview because we've actually talked a lot about coffee on this episode already. So what we've been sort of pitching. (laughs) Well, we've been pitching players to sort of close out these these interviews has been a little bit of a a two parter because in Mm -hmm. in all the discussion of preseason, it's like talking a lot about getting back into a a routine and a rhythm uh, of of sorts. And it's been a two parter in terms of a are you a coffee drinker, which I think you've answered Mm -hmm. already. So, B, I'll just go straight to it Uh, in terms of getting back into preseason, whether it's uh you know uh your go-to uh pre-training beverage or your post scrimmage mm-hmm. go-to beverage, what is your order and why?
2: Okay, well I so I am a coffee drinker, but pretty like social because there's some are extremists on my team. Like yes. I mean Veronica Watco <laughs> left, but she was drinking like seven cups a day. Bless and Haley <laughs> Anson's right there. There's some that like Rachel they gotta have their coffee um but I'll get a flat white or like I tried iced coffee for the like I, I had never tried cold coffee so I did that last year and I'm a good um I'm good for an iced coffee a nice latte um but as far as other beverages like I'm really I need to be a Topo Chico ambassador like I love Topo Chico <laughs> yeah twist of lime it. or twist of grapefruit like is all you need all the flavors I think flavors. about it
0: all day so, so you talked so much about your Google doc that of course I'll be following <laughs> up about that for Houston, but when you get your flat white out, where do you go? What's your number one coffee spot in Houston? Where do you recommend? Ooh,
2: so like all around coffee shops, I think brass Tax is up there and then, um, a place called toot Sweet, and that has like desserts and food and everything. And both are incredible.
0: Write it down. You heard it here. Yes.
1: You know what the real best coffee shops are is when they have like that little fridge in there and they actually sell Tobo Chico in the coffee shop. Like, okay. Yeah. Grinders. That's another place. And yeah, they. there we go. There you check off all the boxes there. I love it. (laughs) You like it. I love it. We want to thank everybody as always uh, for joining along and listening to our interview and episode. Shay, thanks so much for joining us. Good luck in the 2022 season. Everybody, you can follow us on Twitter at Attacking Third. We're on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and anywhere you listen to your podcast shows. You can leave us a five-star review on Spotify now, and we're also available as videos. Subscribe to us at youtube.com slash attacking third. And we'll be back on with even more team previews ahead of the 2022 NWSL season for Sandra Rivera, Lisa Roman, and Che so This was